Good morning, listeners. Welcome to the third episode of the Med Ethics Podcast. Today, we're going to discuss the case study called Disagreement Over Advanced Directive. Um, it's the third case on the Center for Practical Bioethics website. As usual, the link to the entire case will be below in the uh, episode description, so you can follow along, read ahead, just be more informed in general. Neil, would you like to explain what the case is about? Yeah, so let's get started. So uh, today's case, we'll be dealing with an 80-year-old male who had multiple uh, just medical problems in general. Uh, some of the things he was suffering from was dementia, strokes, he was also bedridden. However, the issue in uh, this case was dealing with his advanced directive. So it was basically a statement um, that was making it clear that in the case something would happen to him, who he would want as his DPOA, uh, which is his durable power of attorney. So it's basically someone designated to make a decision for him in the case that he doesn't have the capacity to make it for himself. And uh, so basically here, uh, there was an intersection of opinions between the medical team and his daughter, who is his DPOA, and also um, other siblings in the family. And so uh, in this case, we're just going to be exploring those options and uh, different opinions and evaluating each person's viewpoint. Yeah, thank you for that breakdown, Neil. So this case is a lot more legal than the previous ones we talked about. There's advanced directives, there's power of attorney, but for clearer understanding, I'll read directly what the advanced directive says. So the PT uh, 2010 advanced directive states, if only artificially prolonging life and no meaningful interactions with family, um, um, colon, 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 withhold treatments. So that is the case in this scenario because a patient suffering from dementia, stroke, and is unresponsive. So any treatment that would be given to him would only artificially prolong life, and there would be no meaningful interaction with his daughter or the rest of his family members. So from the legal standpoint, the advanced directive in this case stands completely true. But if you look at the other perspective, which is the daughter's power of attorney, she wishes to go against this directive. And she actually quit work to care for her father, and she is the primary caregiver. Um, it's important to note that there are people that disagree and agree with the daughter. So the siblings disagree with her and think they should move to comfort measures um, for, uh, for the male. And the second opinion from the nephrologist, they disagree with the medical team, but the care that they do agree on is not beneficial. So that still interacts with the advanced directive in a correlative way. Um, anything you want to add, Neil? Um, I mean, yeah, so uh, the advanced directive basically was uh, just making it pretty clear that um, in the situation that this 80-year-old male is in right now, uh, there'd be no reason to continuing uh, to treat him, which is the same thing that both the medical team and nephrologist do agree on, that the care was non-beneficial. Um, the daughter, on the other hand, I think uh, she just wanted, um, you know, that her as a DPOA, her, in the end, legally, her decision is what... Uh, would happen right but that does go against the advanced directive again so we're just going to be looking at the intersection of opinion here exactly and we do completely understand where the daughter is coming from even even if it goes against the advanced directive um the patient is her father and it's clear that she cares for him very strongly so it would make sense for her to not give up hope on him and to keep treating him it just seems that with the law the men medical team and her own siblings on the other side it just seems a little bit unreasonable, but usually when personal reasons and family are involved, we make uh, we usually make impractical choices. 
Um, and a lot of those times, practicality is not what you're looking for in these choices anyways. So it, I definitely do understand where the daughter is coming from um, to quit work and to care for her father, even though it's advised against. Yeah, and obviously, um, you know, the father, regardless of whenever he made uh, the DPOA assessment or the decision to designate his daughter, um, he obviously thought about that, right? Because they also had like other siblings as well. Uh, but he chose his daughter for whatever reason. And her as a primary caregiver does mean a lot. And so um, in this situation, yes, I'd actually want to know, what do you think should be the, uh, the process or the procedure for which they should follow um, in order to take care of him? So do you mean whether agreeing with the daughter or the nephrologist or just um, um, not providing care anymore? Is that what you're asking? Yeah, just the, uh, just the general procedure on how they should, uh, how they should continue its treatment or not continue it at all, I guess. Okay, so that's basically the main question. Um, I think there's a lot more things to consider, but currently I feel like the medical team is knows best about the uh, condition of the patient. And it's I would not leave it up to them, but I would strongly like consider their advice because they know the uh, symptoms, the patients, and the chance of recovery, the quality of life after recovery. So that goes back to the advanced directive. If they're only artificially prolonging life and there will be no meaningful interactions, the medical team is the people, are the people that will know whether life is being prolonged artificially or if there will be meaningful interactions afterwards. So it's clear that the patient has dementia. And I know firsthand and secondhand that dementia is very damaging and it's very hard to have meaningful interactions with family if you have dementia just because of the disorientation, memory loss, all kinds of things that are associated with it. So I would agree with the medical team here and go ahead with the advanced directive. What about you, Neil? Yeah, I think, um, you know, for uh, for most part, I think the, the best way to proceed would be disagreeing with the advanced directive here. But at the same time, I think it depends on what the daughter would want to do, because I'm sure that her as the DPOA, the doctors would have the... Uh, the obligation in order to inform not only her but all of the family members about you know how the treatment is and what the condition of their father is and so i think considering that you know if that's the basis for her siblings to disagree with her and then uh consider the comfort measures i think that's definitely the right thing to do however i think if uh if the daughter you know for her peace of mind and, uh, you know, for her to just believe that the doctors didn't give up hope or they didn't give up treatment, something like that. If she'd want to disagree for now and say, you know, let's wait a few days um, and the medical team thinks that's okay, then I think there wouldn't be a problem with that. But overall, they should follow the advanced directive and they should also respect the fact that um, their father's quality of life would never be the same. I definitely agree. Cause I think with the treatment, like waiting a few days, there's nothing that's going to go wrong just by waiting a couple of days to get a better assessment of the situation. However, if you stop treatment immediately, there's no going back. There's no amends you can make there, if you know what I mean. Yeah, that's definitely true. I mean, I think, uh, you know, I'm again, we don't know the, the exact specifics of the case, but in most, uh, most cases where the DPOA would be disagreeing with something like this, I think it's really because they just want some hope. They want to see if there's any chance that, 
you know, a miracle could happen or something. Because it's hard seeing your loved one just having to be let go like that. And so, uh, you know, provided that the medical team can somewhat, uh, not assure or guarantee, but just give her the peace of mind that if they wait a few days, something might change, it might not change at all, then maybe she'd be more convinced at that point that there's nothing much that is, uh, there's left to do. I completely agree with you, but I think there's also a negative side to that. Um, it could, like, the false hope given to that, and if it, if the situation does eventually go awry, the amount of false hope that's built up might make it even more painful for the daughter if the condition does get worse, or even worse if the patient passes away. Also, yeah. something I just noticed is, uh, one thing I want to talk about is that he's not responsive to the medical team. I think we prematurely evaluated the advanced directive because it states no meaningful interactions with family. So he's not responsive to the medical team. But after treatment, what if he only has a couple meaningful interactions, but with his dementia, he has struggle with everything else, but he does have meaningful interaction once in a while. Does the advanced directive still apply there or is there something else to consider? I think at that point, if there, uh, you know, if he does have occasional meaningful in interactions, that should really depend on to the daughter as the DPOA and the rest of their family. Um, you know, at the end of the day, you have, you have to trust to some extent that even though you are a physician, you're treating the, pa uh, the patient with an objective viewpoint. Mm -hmm. um, you know, at the end of the day, it is someone's father that you're dealing with or someone's husband, something, something like that. And so uh, you have to trust to a certain certain degree that the family is going to have this uh, this 80 year old's best interest in mind at all times as well. And so I'm sure they would hopefully be able to see that, um, you know, by lowering his quality of life and making him suffer through something like this, that, um, you know, once again, you have no guarantee of any recovery whatsoever due to unresponsiveness. Hopefully they could see that and move on. Another nuance I would point to uh, like to point out is the term meaningful interactions in this situation what constitutes meaningful because meaningful the term could be used differently for the daughter and the physicians i mean the medical team because the medical team hasn't lived their entire life with a the patient they their idea of meaningful probably won't be the same idea of meaningful to the daughter who's literally grown up with the patient and has countless experiences with him so that's also another thing that should be taken into account yeah, that's just one of the things that, uh, you know, in, in medicine, you or even science, to be honest, you cannot uh, really account for. It's not something like on a scale that you can measure how meaningful it is and it just be universal to anyone, right? Mm -hmm. um, I think uh, in this case, once again, you just really have to trust that they have the best interest of the patient in mind. And, you know, at the end of the day, I, you know, I would think that if I was in this type of situation, and at the end of the day, you know that, uh, you know, the uh, 80 year old or your father or brother or whatever, just being held on by dialysis at this point, um, I think you would have the compassion to just know that, you know, you need to come to terms with it and stop the suffering and, you know, just let it go at that point. Okay, so you're disagreeing with the daughter in this scenario. Um. I wouldn't say 100% disagreeing, but I, eventually, yes, eventually, yes. I would think that, uh, you know, her opinion should matter as a DPOA, but to continue to keep him on, you know, life support or dialysis long term, I would not, I would not agree with that at all, especially if the medical team is uh, advising against that. Unless the condition gets better, of course, because then right, you, would, right. you would 
But if the condition gets better, it would not be continued dialysis or life support. It would be more uh, recovery treatment. Right. I mean, and at the same time, uh, you know, I think we have to understand, too, that the doctors are, you know, whenever they have to say what would the recovery rate be or, you know, they're talking to the family members about how the patient is doing, they're evaluating these things, you know, and trying to predict the long term best is best they can as well right but at the end of the day anything can happen you know blood pressure could go up heart rate improving all those types of things Mm -hmm. um neil i would just like to look at the very last line of the case study could you explain that part to the audience i think that's just um the nephrologist is also although he or she is not part of the medical team i think their opinion also weighs a lot because this is about dialysis so what they believe could play a major role in the condition of the patient so yeah definitely could could you please expand upon that yeah so um for any of you that don't know a nephrologist is basically a a kidney doctor and so that's why they're important here but um the last line of the case study just quoted says a second opinion for determination of non-beneficial care had a nephrologist a nephrologist disagree with the approach by the medical team but did agree that uh, care was non-beneficial um, and that's end quote. But here, I think that's actually really important that you brought it up, Yesh, because um, if there's a disagreement on uh, the approach taken by the medical team, I would say the nephrologist has a, a heavily weighted op- opinion in this case, since the dialysis was the thing keeping him alive here. Um, but if the you know agreed overall care was non-beneficial. I could see how that could cause some mistrust, you know, within the daughter, for example, you know, she could question uh, after discussing with the nephrologist, if the medical team had taken a different approach to treating her father, would that have maybe kept him alive or, uh, you know, given him a better chance of uh, surviving? Yeah, and that sense of regret has very dire negative consequences, especially if it once it comes to the life of a loved one, usually those kind of doubts uh, don't go away. So I can definitely see where you're coming from here. For sure. Uh, would you like to expand on any more? Yes. Um, let's see. Is there, I'm just trying to see if there's any other uh, things. If you opened up the case study or if you're looking at it with us right now, you do notice that it's a little short compared to the other ones. Mm-hmm. But we're just trying to cover all the bases before deciding on anything. Um, yeah, the sibling's opinion, we already talked about that. So the nephrologists disagree with the approach by medical team, but agreed care was non-beneficial. So even though they disagree with the advanced directive, they still believe that any care for the patient would not help him or improve his condition, correct? Right. Um, I kind of wonder, I mean, what would the, would the nephrologists have suggested like another pathway for care at all that well, might be beneficial? I'm not sure, but if they said care in general was non-beneficial, I think we have to assume that there wasn't a path that would provide sufficient care. Right, I agree. Um, Yeah, it's just need to keep in mind that the conditions this patient is suffering from are severe. So even if he does recover, the meaningful interaction part of the advanced directive will still be in place because he has ERSD, which is end-state renal disease or disorder. I'm not sure, but it's a renal problem. Dementia, as we talked about. Stroke has very dire consequences. It can cause paralysis, speech problems, um, all kinds of things, depending on where it occurs in your brain, of course. But usually strokes are very severe. And 
I'm not sure. I feel like the quality of living is drastically reduced, even if it's not, even if it is artificially prolonged life. Yeah, um, just, you know, not only that, but I also think that especially with the, uh, you know, the types of problems that he has, like the ESRD, dementia, stroke, all of these things, you know, to take not not necessarily a risk, but to keep him on dialysis or life support for a longer period of time, I feel would only uh, raise the percentages of having complications, right? And um, from that point of view, having to see your loved one who is already, you know, somewhat stable right now because of the dialysis, you know, suddenly uh, have reactions to medicine or treatment, but then negatively affect their health, I think that would have a, a bigger consequence on how the family overall would take it. I think another thing we need to mention is that although the daughter believes that the right thing to do is to care for her father or the most beneficial thing to do, she's actually quitting her job and working to care for her father. In the long run, that might be more negative than positive because if there is no chance of recovery and she's just caring for her father daily without a job, long term, like financially, emotionally, if something does eventually happen, she she'll suffer from a lot more negative consequences than if she just agreed with the medical team right now. Yeah, that's definitely true. I think it's just one of those things that in the moment is hard for her to evaluate, right? Um, At that point, that's not even something you evaluate because yeah, you can't, yeah, it's not in your can't mind. weigh the value of someone's life. So she can't be like, oh, if I let him pass away right now, I'll make this much more money by not quitting my job. That's just not how a compassionate human being thinks about a loved one. So I completely understand her viewpoint. I'm just thinking in general, once we get to do, do the utilitarian calculations, that's something we might have to take into account. Right. I also think, uh, you know, going to the um, kind of the uh, psychological aspect of this, you know, for all you know, the daughter might feel more of an obligation towards pushing for her father's uh, treatment no matter what, because she's the only one out of the, all the siblings who's designated as a DPOA for her father, right? And, uh, you know, I'm not saying that the other siblings' opinions don't have weight. I'm just saying that the daughter might feel more responsible for anything that happens to her father as a DPOA. I know exactly what you mean. I think this is because she has the actual title, like a designated role. So mm -hmm. she might have a sense of duty. It's like her duty to make sure that she gives her father the best chance because if she gives up on him, she's going to be the one that had the role of taking care of him. So that could also live with her for a long time. Right. Yeah, I don't think there's much else to talk about. Um, yeah, we could uh, usually in these read cases, the ethics theory, though. Yeah, usually in these cases, we go back to specific lines and discuss about them, but I think we've covered basically every line that's in this case. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so this time I'll do the negatives. Neil, you can start off with the positives of... Oh, yeah, sorry. So the question is, do you want? do you do another round of dialysis, which is artificially prolonging treatment? Right. So, uh, with the positives. yeah, so, uh, you know, just evaluating holistically here, the positives would be, yeah, maybe the, uh, um, you know, their father could live another week or so, or however long, um, for the, that the other round of dialysis will last. Um, another positive maybe could be that, um, it could give their daughter, uh, a sense of, um, just the fact that she tried to push for his treatment a little bit more. 
uh, just make her feel uh, like she gave it her best shot. Um, so maybe help her come to peace with the decision that would have to be made. Um, Another thing I would say is she just gets to see her father alive, even though if he's yes. not responsive or having meaningful interactions, she still has the comfort that he's still in this world. Right, definitely. Um, that's definitely a, a big deal for many people. I mean, it would be a big deal for me as well if I was in the situation. I think it would be a big deal for everyone. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, especially with something as uh, as traumatic as this, just suddenly seeing someone who you love being non-responsive to anything, just having the peace of mind, like as you said, Yesh, that you know they're still here and maybe one day they'll wake up or talk to you, something like that is comforting. There's also a negative to that situation, though. A lot of people believe people go to a, a better place, so you would want them to. Fe- you would want to feel like that if they passed away peacefully, they are more calm and they're having. They're just better off than they're lying mm-hmm. in an unresponsive state with dialysis tubes in them. You know. Yeah, that, definitely. That argument definitely goes both ways, but I can see why people would um, prefer either way. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah i agree no more positives i can go to the negatives for sure so one of the negatives is you're disagreeing with the medical team so the disagreement itself is not that negative because people disagree with medical teams all the time um, it could just be impactful and that the medical team usually knows best so disagreeing with them could um, lead to consequences that you a patient who is not versed in medical training or license like that cannot foresee so yeah just disagreeing with the medical team also you would go against the advanced directive so that's some legality right there but i'm not sure how that plays out um in correlation with the dpoa but you are disagreeing with that part another thing is the financial burden you place on yourself and your family by not having a job you also siblings disagree with her so if you're disagreeing with your siblings they might um they might not want to see their father like that on a bed going hooked up to dialysis so you might be causing them some emotional pain as well even though you prefer to keep fighting um another yeah, thing i just think um yeah, I, I just think yeah sorry to interrupt you i just think that um you know, considering that the daughter is a DPOA, yes, I do understand that. And that could have been for whatever personal reasons that her father chose her as a DPOA. But um, I feel that in this situation, to not come to a common consensus about, um, you know, whether it's continuing treatment or letting their father go, I think that would only hurt the family more whenever their father is eventually gone as well. I completely agree with that. Um, do you see any other negatives? Um, I mean, we covered legality as well. Um, no, I don't, I don't really think so. This is pretty straightforward here. Then I think it's decision time. Um, Neil, you go first and I'll say my opinion second. Um, do you do another round of dialysis? Uh, okay. So, um, in my opinion, I would not do another round of dialysis at all. Um, unless the daughter says, you know, do one more round, see how it is. I don't think it'll hurt, but they'd have to understand that anything could happen. Their father's condition could help or it could get better or it could worsen, right? That's just a risk you'd have to take. Well, but I, overall, think, I think the condition getting worse is a moot point because if you... Yeah. 
because if you don't continue dialysis, he's going to pass away. So, right. That's yeah. That's uh, just something they have to come to terms with. Um, I think overall, though, they need to trust the medical team and the nephrologist on uh, how both of them agreed that the care, any continued care, would be non-beneficial. And so, I would honor the advanced directive here and just move on with that. Um. So. If you ask me the question, do you do an another round of dialysis? I actually disagree with you, Neil. I think if I was in the daughter's position evaluating all of, all of the uh, factors that are involved, I would want to know that I gave it my last shot and I fought till the very end. So if that means going through another round of dialysis and then seeing that my father's not recovering, I would take that chance um, every time. So. Another round of dialysis might not help, but it definitely won't be worse than letting him pass away immediately. I understand that he's in pain and it's not the most comfortable situation for him, but just to know for the rest of your life, if he does pass away, that you gave it your all and you gave him the best chance of survival, I think that makes up for everything else. But after that, after the week or after one round, if it doesn't get better, then I say we do have to follow the advanced directive and the beliefs of the medical team. Yeah, that's uh, that's what I was uh, kind of suggesting there. <laughs> but um, yeah, I would do the same thing there. I would still give it one last shot, right? Same thing you said, just to have the peace of mind that uh, you know you didn't give up. And I think that's what, uh, we, we don't know for sure, but I think that's what would probably be uh, causing the daughter as a DPOA to disagree in the first place, right? Um, Exactly. For her having that sense of duty and responsibility to just give it her all one last time. If, you know, they say if that's what you want to do, then go ahead. And, you know, she's able to do that. Then, you know, I 100% agree with what you were saying. Yeah, just push for it. See if it helps or not. And if, you know, if it doesn't, then resort to the advanced directive and just trust the process. I guess in some convoluted way, Neil and I both did agree at the end. So yes. <laughs> do another round of dialysis. Yes, we do do another yes. round of dialysis just to fulfill the daughter's wishes and her um, view or her role as the DPOA. But after that, you have to resor uh, resort to legality and the beliefs of the medical team. Yep. We've discussed everything we needed to about this case. Um, thank you once again so much for joining in to our third episode of the Med Ethics Podcast. We've only done three episodes so far, but we've thoroughly enjoyed every single one of them um you know, do you have something to say oh uh, do you want to tell them what our uh, case for next week is going to be yes yes our case uh you're muted oh sorry about that yes so our case for next week is going to be a little bit longer than this one but it's going to be um just as interesting it is one second. It is a family divided. So that's the case we're going to do next week. Thank you so much for tuning in. We hope you all really enjoyed our episode. And, and don't forget to stay ethical.